Kurt Locker, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Kurt Russell. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode by a myriad of co-hosts. Here we go. <laughs> Everybody relax. She's here. Whitney Nelson. Yes, I am here. You're welcome. <laughs> She will always go nothing or double. Lindsay Nelson joins us. It's true. Hello, everyone. And finally, he's about to shake the pillars of heaven. Joining us for the first time, <laughs> Jamie Albrecht. Hello. Oh, my God. I saved I that just one. just drove off a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I was being balanced the on, and then I heaven, talked, and it really just ruined yeah. everything. No. No, it's perfect. Yes. It's perfect. Um... Yeah, Big Trouble in Little China super fan and Whitney Nelson fiance Jamie Albrecht is you, here. He made it. He made mm-hmm. it. Yes. All right. A lot of we've heard a lot, Jamie. We're expecting big things. Okay. Well, I know you won't thankfully, What? Thankfully, this is one of a like handful of things that I could pretty much talk. Extemporaneously on whenever uh, we were joking earlier that I was just taking my glasses off and like relaxing because like yeah I could I could, I could talk about inspirations in and uh, which eighty like uh, eighty stuntman mainstays are in this movie incredible I love yeah no I've I've talked about it when we get to pop quiz. We are all expecting to be trounced. Oh God! Yeah, mm-hmm. there's no there's no world in which I, any of us probably come close. Myself at the top of that list of, I guess, losers. The t- the biggest of the losers. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we already I, have I, our I, work cut out for us by blank check doing a three hour podcast on this movie uh, with uh, whoa. with Paul Shear and Jason Manzukas. So oh, I guess we're going to good... be awake until eleven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Try to keep it shorter than the runtime of the film. We tr- we do our we endeavor to do our best here. I know that when pop quiz is involved, we we go it goes deep. Eric had just told me about that that specifically, mm-hmm. and I'm like, God, I want to listen to Blank Check so bad, but I also don't want to take all, any. I don't want to like absorb any of their thoughts. Like the, I mm-hmm. listened to how did this get made? Cause again, it's incredible, but like yeah. mm-hmm. for as, as far as like mainline movie podcasts, I tried not to really, if there, if there's like any overlap with our stuff, I'm like, I can't do it. I can't. Yeah. Do it. No, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't heard of blank check before. What is the, I mean, I would assume it's a podcast about the movie Blank Check. But <laughs> <laughs> oh. I believe it is specifically about like, uh, movie like, makers given how did this get made but for good movies well and and it's like movie makers that have basically the films that they have basically been given carte blanche on yeah oh okay so somebody who's made it to that level in their career where they get to do like a just their own thing that without a lot of interference like exactly a, a book of henry if you will mm. uh, a malignant <laughs> a malignant if we're going recent yes, if re- oh. well and also direct opposite ends of the quality <laughs> spectrum <laughs> <laughs> well i mean direct i mean the, the different qualities for sure <laughs> oh, yeah, well, uh, the book of henry was so bad it killed that guy's career entirely he was gonna <laughs> yeah he was yeah, gonna yeah, direct yeah, yeah. uh what's it called uh rise of skywalker 
I can't even remember his name. I just know him as the Book of Henry guy. The Book of I mean, Henry guy. Book of Henry deserves to, I mean, I don't know about end, but at least make your career take a hit. <laughs> well, and it's it's fascinating. And any one of those like projects that somebody wrote so early in their career and then yeah. gets a chance to make after they have become famous are always beautiful train wrecks. Mm. They are. Uh, yeah. They just, they can't bring the critical eye that they would bring to like a new idea to yeah, that idea exactly. that they've had since they were like a kid or, <laughs> or just starting out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You, could, you see that. Yeah. I love you. You're my sister, Jamie. I love you. You're my fiance. <laughs> Andrew, how about we introduce the episode? I, I, look, I, I'm, I, I already love this. It's a lot of chaos. It's Colin Trevorrow, by the way. Uh, just there. if you were wondering what yeah. that fellow's name was, who was unceremoniously. Henry Jurassic World. Yeah. He was heated right from the Star Wars franchise. <laughs> Let's do some. We got a little bit of contact info and housekeeping to do. I, you know, I think this is going to be fantastic if I'm just, if I do say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. Me too. <laughs> As always, I want to mention you can find this podcast and many other podcasts we do at 12and24.com. That's the numerals 12and24.com. We have a new one that uh, frequent guest Eric and I have been working on, Rewatch. It's short. We're rewatching the Resident Evil films. They're hilarious. They're speaking of a uh, 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 a director that did a good a good movie followed by several bad movies. You can't Paul W.S. Anderson, what an enigma. Oh, what God. an enigma. Uh, you can email us, KurtLockerPod at Gmail, or hit us up on Twitter at KurtLockerPod. We have an email. This is a long one. Strap in. Y'all have it in front of you. Listeners, mm-hmm. I'm telling you to strap in specifically. Hey, Andrew and Whitney. This comes from Paul. I guess I should introduce it. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Paul, hello. Hey, Andrew and Whitney. Enjoying the Kurt Locker. You both are excellent hosts. Just had an amusing thought regarding a crossover, quote, clash of the titans between Russell and Reeves. You know that I had to read this email. So that's, Paul, you're baiting me. I see what you're doing. It's as transparent (laughs) as a piece of glass. I'm in. Which of these movie plots do you think would have worked best? Okay. We have three choices here that get increasingly longer. We have an action thriller. Russell and Reeves starring as estranged brothers. Reeves' wife gets murdered. The brothers reunite to find the killer and get revenge. It's pretty good. Just, you know, whatever. Slice of life. Russell is a retired cop who owns a bar. Reeves is about to retire, also a cop. Russell finds out he has cancer and the bar is behind in payments. Maybe run down. Reeves wants to buy the bar and help Russell out in the process, and the two become best friends. Okay. And then see Parody. Snake Plissken and John Wick, um, this is the one, uh, are now semi-retired and employed as nighttime bank security guards. Their hijinks include getting accidentally locked in the bank vault, playing pranks on the janitorial staff, covering the mops in fake blood, and having a high-stakes poker game with stolen bank money. (laughs) Cameos at the poker game include Bruce Willis as John McClane, Stallone as the dude who thinks he's Rocky and Rambo, Schwarzenegger as the Terminator, who is constantly getting up from the table, getting a beer from the fridge, and exclaiming, I'll be back. That's a lot. Anyway, your thoughts, please. C. The answer is C. (laughs) C is the answer. Yes, that's correct, right? Well, I would probably watch all three of those. C is definitely it. Yeah. I don't love the uh, cameos from Bruce Willis and Stallone Mm -hmm. and Schwarzenegger, 
but I think Snake Plissken and John Wick hanging out as nighttime security guards is one of the most genius things I've ever heard. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I, I think it takes it too far with all the other people. I agree with you, but I want to see that movie where Snake Plissken and John Wick hang out. What is the name of that movie with all of the old action uh, The Expendables. The Expendables, mm. yeah. I don't love when it turns into The Expendables, but I do like the idea of old Snake Plissken and old John Wick hanging out as, like, <laughs> on the job. Oh, see, I'm all about the slice of life one on here. I feel like it, like a, I, f- I feel like it could be a, a like a real nobody's fool. Oh. <laughs> like a, mm-hmm. a, I, I feel like either Russell or Reeves could get a, like, best, uh, best supporting or lead nod for it. Probably not winning, but. I would love either of those things to happen. <laughs> so mm-hmm. That would be good. That would be good. Yeah. I would say with A, instead of fridging Reeves' wife, why don't it be that uh, somebody is setting Reeves up to look guilty for a crime and then he has to go to his older brother to help him clear his name before he retires? Perfect. Sort of reverse Fast 9. <laughs> I haven't seen yeah. any of the Fast and Furious movies. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Don't worry. Reverse Fast 9. Forgotten. Uh, I love all that. Yeah. I love what we've done. We've workshopped it. Paul, I hope uh, you'll begin writing any of all of these, any of these pretty soon. So. Yeah. All of these were I'd incredible go suggestions. Yep. Yeah. So. You have our green light. If that's what you were looking for, <laughs> you've got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, geez, still in the housekeeping. Uh, you could uh, join us on Discord chat in real time, 12and24.com slash Discord. You could also, on your podcast app right now, just tap on the artwork and it will take you there. Technology is incredible. Finally, if you want to support us with just a moment of your time, please share the show with your friends, rate and review us on iTunes. It brings more folks into the fray. We game the algorithm. We have a review. I told you on the last episode, we had, I, I have to go in and manually switch my country to a different country to see the reviews from that country. Mm-hmm. That brings me to Zoe, longtime listener of Cool Breeze Over the Mountains. Zoe writes. We love Zoe. Zoe's the best. Zoe's awesome. Zoe. This is by the people that brought you Cool Breeze Over the Mountains. It will be worth your time and energy to listen to this one just because they will make you smile. I don't know Kurt Russell's backlog, but I'll be there just for the entertainment. Looking forward to seeing what they have up their sleeves this time around. Five stars. Yay. Yay, Zoe. See, Zoe gave us five stars and also wrote five stars. So that's 10 stars in my heart. <laughs> and that's what I like to see. Uh, I am um, realizing now something is very uh-huh. wrong with my document. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> what happened? Uh, everything is. Essentially, lorem ipsum in this document now. All right. I'm going to Today, we are talking about the film, a movie name. We are talking, and it's uh, the plot synopsis is For plot IMDb synopsis. Is <laughs> plot synopsis. Hold on. The movie was written by blank and is directed by a blank. Uh, let me see if I can do this off the dome. Oh, oh my God. Whoa. I'm going up IMDb and let's see. All right, go for it. Jamie, take us away. Uh, Today we are talking about the film Big Trouble in Little China. There is a hidden world where ancient evil weaves a modern mystery. What's going on here? Is this some kind of... Magic. 
the darkest magic. They call it Little China. Finally, we shall bring order out of chaos. It's where big trouble was waiting for Jack Burton. Who? Jack Burton. Me. Jack. Jack. Jack! They told him to go to hell. He make one move. Jack! And that's just where he's going. Uh, the plot synopsis from IMDb is a local trucker gets involved in interdimensional kung fu war under San Francisco's Chinatown. Holy shit. Do you want me to read uh, the, what actually is? Yes, because you no, all- I do. I oh, want to wow. hear what, what it actually is. <laughs> oh, see, I, I've been using that explanation to try and get people to watch this movie for a very long time. No, what so. is IMDb's actual plot synopsis? That it says interdimensional answers one of the questions that I had about this movie. So Listen to what IMDb has. A rough-and-tumble trucker helps rescue his friend's fiancé from an ancient sorcerer in a supernatural battle beneath Chinatown. You crushed it! You actually (laughs) gave more detail! (laughs) Uh, So do you know who the movie was written by? I I do not off the top of my head. I did have to look that up. Uh, Gary Goldman and David Z. Weinstein, uh, neither of whom wrote Buckaroo Banzai, which I had thought for the longest time. Hmm. And... I it makes sense ex- to to track a through line from Buckaroo Banzai to Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. And directed by the great John Carpenter. <sighs> Unbelievable. Who else? Uh, who else is starring in this? Okay, so I I genuinely want to see if I can do this off the top of my head. <laughs> All right, I'm excited. Uh, okay, so we've got Kim Cattrall. <laughs> we've got Dennis Dunn. Uh, Victor Wong, uh, James Hong, uh, and, and then it gets into the <laughs> people like Al Leung and Gerald Okamura. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, so there are a handful of uh, people that you always see in the background of 80s action movies, and Al Leung and Gerald Okamura are two of them, to the point where... If you see them pointed out, you will never not see them. <laughs> it's one of those it's like the situations. Wilhelm scream. Once exactly. the Wilhelm scream <laughs> is like pointed out to you, you hear that sound effect every time it's used. Yes. yes. Uh, Ali mm-hmm. Yong is probably most uh, notable for being one of the terrorists in Die Hard. He's the one who's hiding behind the candy counter. Yeah. And eating the chocolate mm-hmm. bars. Mm-hmm. The, the, the like the full on skullet long hair and big mustache and so he's a true there are no small parts exactly kind of actor (laughs) i believe there is there is a uh a full documentary about the man i do not remember its title but it it does exist hmm all right all right i would watch that i'll i'll throw in uh kate burton she played margo donald lee and then uh susie pye um, for the entire sleeping, the entire film, uh, essentially, <laughs> but you know, uh, yeah. AKA female MacGuffin. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, Whitney, <laughs> this is normally <laughs> uh-huh. where I would ask you what the, the critics and audiences think of this. Uh, yeah. and you would have that information on hand, but 
It's not in the document right now. I have it in front of me. Uh, would you like mm -hmm. me to do it, or or did you also? Yeah, pull go it? for it. You do it. Unless you want to read out the lorem. Oh, I'll read it. I mean, <laughs> oh no! Well, that's what that's what we have over here. Yeah, that's exactly that's what I actually what I'm seeing too. So it's unfortunate. Yeah, very interesting yet sordid affair. Blah blah. I'm pretentious. Yeah, I, I like this. Uh, how I standard how I view critics is, <laughs> yes yeah that's my thoughts on critical stances here that's fine so critic blah 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 from <laughs> variety says it was an interesting yet sordid affair blah blah I'm pretentious as all hell and working through my issues by being loquacious mm, yeah <laughs> I mean we've all been there right Bob, guys <laughs> you son of a bitch <laughs> Go ahead, Andrew. Read out what our critic and audience reviews are. Yeah. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China, 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is certified fresh. I kind of wouldn't, if it, I thought maybe this would skew a little bit higher. The audiences gave it 82%. Very, very solid scores for Rotten Tomatoes, which is great. Uh, I'm going to pull two. Um, at my discretion here. I can't remember. I, I, I did a deep dive here. Uh, here we go. Kathleen Carroll from the New York Daily News says, uh, watching Kurt Russell display not only a set of bulging biceps, but also easygoing self-confidence is admittedly fun at times, even if the movie is as impenetrable as Chop Suey. Okay. Okay, Kathleen. I feel like we're going to get a lot of those vibes in these reviews. Yeah. yeah. Ouch, <laughs> Kathleen. Yeah. I, I don't want to I don't want to step on Charles Nolan's anything, but was the, wasn't this very poorly received initially? That's my understanding of it is that people didn't start appreciating this movie until well after its release. Well, I, I specifically believe uh, it was one of those early HBO movies Whenever I had heard people talk about Big Trouble in Little China, it was that they had watched it on cable. Like, I don't think I've ever met yeah. a single person who saw it in theaters, but like, it's one of those cable classics. Yeah. Interesting. That, yeah, that okay. tracks. I mean, that, that. Poor John Carpenter. Can he ever have a movie that's appreciated at its release? At, at the time. <laughs> I don't think that that's John Carpenter's vibe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not that he wouldn't appreciate being appreciated in his time, like as the right, movies right. are being but just released. That his, but I this, think that, that his just, sensibilities are too yes, wild to be appreciated instantaneously. Yes, I think it's one of those that comes from rewatch and you know seeing it on your own terms is, I think, a big thing with mm -hmm. John Carpenter. I think. Movie theaters where you're surrounded by people is not the optimal way to see John Carpenter. And this is from somebody who has pretty much exclusively watched John Carpenter movies in the last two years because of <laughs> Jamie. I think that the vibe, like, I very much have enjoyed every John Carpenter that I've seen. But, like, had I seen it at the time in theaters, I don't know if it would have resonated as well as if it's, like, a Sunday afternoon. I don't know. It just... Anyway. All right. Well, and also it uh, it's aided by our it's aided by uh, sort of mainstream America's larger acceptance of uh, like martial arts films mm -hmm. as the decade went on. Yeah, I think in a post like a post crouching tiger 
world because like mm-hmm. the the vibe of Big Trouble in Little China is very influenced by movies like uh, Zoo Warriors in the Magic Mountain hmm. uh, or Encounters of the Spooky Kind or like really like early 80s Hong Kong movies that people probably wouldn't have had a lot of access to back in the uh, like yeah. the VCR I mean, days. I, I do think this is right about the same time, right, that they were originally trying to introduce Jackie Chan in like American movies. Oh, yeah, to like, and, and, like the and Jackie Chan movies flopped in yeah. the first couple like tries here in the States. Mm-hmm. And if you, yeah, because they're just culturally unprepared for it and can't get into Jackie Chan then like what's wrong (laughs) (laughs) what is wrong with you I say well no what's wrong with it is making Jackie Chan a very serious man and not having him do the thing he's very good at his delightful goofiness yeah if you've you've ever seen either The Protector or Battle Creek Brawl they are terrible movies yeah no I I haven't seen them so (laughs) Jackie Chan is a lovable doof who's incredibly physically skilled and willing to wreck himself for her, the <laughs> A art. good action sequence, yeah. 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 Readily willing to as yes. well, oh, which man. is great. The, the, no one would legally allow Jackie Chan to make the movies that he made today because there's too much. <laughs> Nobody like, could insure them. Yeah, we're, like, too li- yeah. we're too litigious and we're too based in insurance or whatever. And Jackie Chan's like, yeah, I'll run barefoot over these coals. And <laughs> that was- that's the cheapest way to do it, man, is just to have coals that are on fire and I run over them. And now yeah. it's like, what the hell is that, double. Jackie? It's wild to think about, but the closest <laughs> person in modern day Hollywood doing that is tom cruise yeah that's the only thing that, that i like about the, th- is the thing of like yeah sure <laughs> hang, the only thing i like about tom cruise is hang that by he, the side of the bird yeah. <laughs> yeah no he's like strap me up i'm going up there uh no teach me how to fly a helicopter yeah <laughs> i'm gonna crash it though yeah teach me I how mean, to fly keanu it so reeves i can crash is definitely it. one of those people keanu too reeves who does is almost up there, but keanu reeves has very sort of niche Interest I mean, he has like the in... martial arts skills and stuff. Well, He's yeah, not like hang me over this building. Exactly. I don't think he yeah. has the like adrenaline addiction that a Tom Cruise does. I think he's more mm-hmm. of a perfectionist than like a let me crash this helicopter <laughs> kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I found the user review that I really liked that I think y'all are going to agree with, too. But you tell me. Uh, this is from George W. Bush? I don't know. No, probably. probably, uh, probably. Uh, George <laughs> went. He played Norm on Cheers. <laughs> okay, got it, got it. Finally, we, we hear Much from George, George. Wendt. Yeah. Uh, this is a five-star review. It says, when a circus is done right, you get caught up in its rhythm and lost in the fun of it. Carpenter has done it right. I love that. I love yeah. the imagery I, yeah. of that mm-hmm. review. It's so much so succinctly. Well, and also, yeah, because just the the vibe of this movie is all being caught up in something that you do not fully understand, but you are going with it. Just just like Jack. Let's let's Mm -hmm. go. (laughs) Uh, I have a couple things I'm going to read off here. It wouldn't be the same. uh, It wouldn't be our show if I didn't read off what Claire's parents thought of this. Oh, we got to know what Sue says. Mm -hmm. We have mom and dad for this one. Uh, I'll say it's 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 brief. Uh, 
Claire, Claire writes, uh, Dad did not know it was a comedy until 20 minutes in. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Uh, and uh, Claire's mom says, there was a lot in that movie, and I think Kurt Russell is just gorgeous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, Claire's sister, for what it's worth, also says uh, she wouldn't have known it's meant to be a parody if Claire hadn't told her, which echoes why the movie wasn't a big hit in theaters. Most Americans hadn't seen enough Hong Kong. Jamie, it's backing you up here. Well, that, I- to be able to actually recognize that it's parodying something. I don't even think it's a parody. I think it's more, I guess, closer to a subversion. Yeah, a love letter that is subversion. Like, uh, what's it? Uh, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, it's very Shaun of the Dead-esque. Where it is an homage, but at the same time, like, poking Mm -hmm. fun at the parts of the genre that are, you know. Yeah, well, and and also my favorite, one of my favorite things about this movie is... Jack Burton is the protagonist. He uh-huh. is not the main character. No. Wang is the main no, character. No, this is, I was 100% going to talk about yeah. He's also not the hero. <laughs> yeah. To have the no, protagonist be neither the main character nor the hero. You are watching the like, Star Wars saga through the point of view of Chewbacca. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. No, this is the thing that I really enjoyed about this movie because, like, I was kind of braced, obviously, because anything in the 80s, even though I love John Carpenter, but watching anything from the 80s and especially something that's, like, about a different culture or whatever, you're like, oh. Mm-hmm. But the way that I love the way into this was that... Barton thinks he's the protect the hero yeah. of this movie, and yeah. he's not. And it's just like, okay, if we have to have white people in this to get an American audience, then they're going to be pretty well-meaning goofs. Like, mm-hmm. he does not do a single thing right in the entire movie, and you know that he thinks he does. He's, like, giving this big monologue at the, end, at the beginning and the end in his truck. Mm-hmm. But, like, every time he does something, he screws up, except for the very last thing where he throws the he knife into the He sticks the landing. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, every other time, like, there's one whole fight where he shoots at the ceiling and, like, cones himself unconscious for the whole That's fight. That's the climactic yeah. fight. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's perfect. So, I, I do want to talk about this. We're, we're skipping ahead a little bit. I want to start out the whole did this movie work for you section with, because Lindsay kind of already brought it up. I want to talk about racism a little bit. Um, yeah. Now, granted, I am not Chinese. <laughs> I was not raised Chinese. I don't have Chinese. Like, I cannot speak to this from a Chinese point of view. But I also went into this the first time that I watched it, bracing myself because it's a movie in the 80s about Chinatown in the United States. And I was expecting some very I was expecting to have to grit my teeth through a lot of dated racism. And I Mm -hmm. think that there this movie, because it's sort of a fairy tale, which a lot of Hong Kong movies that it's sort of embracing and or parroting are it's a fantasy it's a fairy tale and i so we definitely get into some trading in the oriental exoticism especially as we get further into the lair and there's the gold buddhas and the the neon and it starts to go over the top with the with the yeah yeah Yeah. all the neon in the inner sanctum really got me i was like what's happening i love it i love it um (laughs) i mean aesthetically it's great 
It's John Wick. Plot-wise, uh, we, we, we stepped like, in. What? We're like, it's John Wick now. I love this. <laughs> yeah, I love so it. We, we do get some fetishization and some stereotype culture props in the movie, but it really isn't until you get into the fantasy part of the story that you get into that. I feel like, um, again, I'm not Chinese. I've never lived in a Chinatown, but I feel like there's actually quite a lot of honoring Chinese culture and making it less exotic and less strange and less othering because mm-hmm. the hero of the story is Chinese and is explaining history and explaining the fairy tales and explaining all of this to the white guy who's full of bravado but doesn't actually get anything done. And I am very much, so like the swaggering, beer-swilling, truck-driving, American, <laughs> mulleted Jack Burton has an incredible relationship with Wang Chi. And I feel mm-hmm, like... Mm-hmm. Jack is never an ignorant person, although he is hot-headed and, like, rushes into things. He's never ignorant. Well, he's he's ignorant in that he doesn't—he is unaware of well, but that's these not, customs. That's yeah. not ignorant. That's uninformed. Yes. There's a difference. He is not, like—he doesn't know customs. He doesn't know any of it. But also, he doesn't bulk at any of it. None of it is portrayed as strange. It is all very sort of, like, taken in stride with— and. There's all different kinds of Asian people, which you don't see in 80s movies. In 80s movies, there's like two kinds of people that it can be. And it's like a bad guy or a nerd. And that's like yeah. it. And seeing the 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 shades and flavors of a culture in this way in a movie that is as silly as this movie is, is actually really refreshing when you're, like, gritting your teeth going into it, expecting it to be racism. Any other movie mm-hmm. in the 80s wouldn't have had Eddie in it. Yeah. Like, what yeah. Wang Chi's uh, wheel-and-dealing friend yes. who... Yeah. <laughs> is like, he, he's just a fun guy. Um, <laughs> but we talked about this in Cool Breeze Over the Mountains. I was really taken with Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure because I don't think that I had ever seen non-toxic male friendship and just masculinity portrayed that way on screen ever. I think there's such a wholesome and genuinely great portrayal of male friendship Mm -hmm. and masculinity in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I feel Mm -hmm. the same way about race in this movie. I think it's way actually ahead of its time in yeah. how the relationship between Wang Chi and Jack Burton plays out. Well, and, and even like you were saying, the fact that all of there are only three white people in this movie, all of the other characters are, you know, Asian and that they, they have personalities. They are different people. There's like character development in them that you still don't see in a lot of American movies. Yeah. So- and also, also, I, I love that every single Asian person in this movie is like kind of reluctantly accepting of Gracie Law. <laughs> yeah. Just have them yeah. like, yeah. what the <laughs> hell is Gracie Law doing here? Yeah, just, just to wrap up what I wanted to say, it comes across as actually very sort of, I think it would come across as a fresh and, and uh, salient take on people of different races being friends and one being kind of thrown into another culture without knowing anything about it today. 
Um, so if you have been avoiding it because, like Lindsay and like me, you think, ooh, this movie made in the 80s set in Chinatown is going to be racist, there are some dated racist elements, but I think overall it's actually pretty wholesome and pretty mm-hmm. um, aspirational when it comes to that element of it. You're If you're sensitive to that, don't hold off on watching it because of that. You're much more likely to want to hold off because of female stereotypes and like yeah. damsels in the distress. Sexism isn't great in this movie, but the racism is the racism you know, is way but, yeah. not really a thing. So again, yeah. I'm not Chinese. I don't have the background of the like Hong Kong movies that this is a love letter to, but also poking fun at. But it all genuinely seems very respectful and respectful and and fun yeah you'd love to hear it you'd love to hear it yeah uh also uh capping this off uh bill and ted's excellent adventure also another al leong movie he's genghis khan oh there you go (laughs) hells yeah you will find this guy everywhere (laughs) maybe he's the next podcast we do you know what i'm saying Oh, that would be a, wild. That's well, a long and that, filmography, I think. Yeah. And a, a very w- wide filmography. And also, <laughs> he's he's rarely starring in these movies. I don't think... I I feel like I've rarely heard him speak a line. But. Yeah. <laughs> just We just follow him. We don't care if he's in it for two seconds or mm-hmm. two minutes. It's like, this is our guy. All right, so... So having having introed that because I wanted to get that off my chest before we do- dove into things, who should we start with? Should we start with Lindsay, who's seeing it for the first time? I think Absolutely. so. Okay, I think Lindsay, it has to did be this Lindsay. movie work for you? I mean, overall, yes. I think you got the tone that I enjoyed it yeah. <laughs> quite a bit. There is some of John Carpenter's previous. Uh, there aren't a lot of female characters, but there are at least a couple. And, like, Gracie mm-hmm. Law is involved in the plot. Although, like I said, the white people are kind of well-meaning goofuses. Um, but, and then, like, the main, like we said, female MacGuffin, I mean, Wang's fiance. Yeah. Does she ever speak once? I don't <laughs> I think she that's does. That's a great question. But I think literally it's maybe just Wang Chi's name and that's it. Yeah, I mean, talk about like. Uh, I think she says one like greeting of like, hey, it's you in the airport. And then she's. Yeah. I think it might just be. She alone. says like, hello. It might and just then be. And she looks immediately abducted. Well, there you go. And then she's in a magical coma. Yeah. <laughs> for, for like it. the and whole. And then the, the Lords of Death grab. <laughs> yeah um but generally i did really enjoy this movie like i said i was kind of braced for i was worried and i just thought it was really fun i um i was wondering when i said that jamie uh, answered one of my questions by calling it a multi-dimensional i was like so are they actually in hell or is this just a basement and they're like recreating different levels because you know they go down constantly all of the <laughs> elevator rides go down they're under buildings you definitely get a well underground you, thing and you have the whole uh going into the into the sewers in uh egg shen's place yeah. yes yes when they're when they're making their last att- attack attempt to like um yeah but then they talk about like oh this room with all of these skeletons who've been drowned is this level of hell and oh take them to the burning in oil hell and whatever <laughs> i was like so are we actually in hell or is this just you know evil thousand year old sorcerer recreation of various levels of hell uh layer underground i mean once you're a thousand years old and evil and recreating hell basically is the same thing right they're kind of indistinguishable 
probably. If you spend a thousand years creating hell, it might. It basically is hell, whether it's actually hell or not. But has he spent a thousand years here, or are you saying he built this hell like in China and then he can teleport there through the elevators? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, if it's been in America, it's a couple hundred years old at best. He's a sorcerer; he can do a lot of stuff. (laughs) The hell might not exist in any reality, and he, you know. Yeah, I do love that this thousand-year-old sorcerer who has packs with both, like, gods and demons and stuff uh, is named David Lopan. <laughs> it's a real, there are those who call me Tim moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and also this ties into what Whitney was saying about this movie very much being a fairy tale in the sense of, like, yeah. you can you can feel the shift as it goes from regular world to mystical world and like it's very 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 different but it's also kind of very similar to labyrinth yeah well i i think i said to whitney uh like when after i first watched this and before i didn't want to give a lot of details because you know talk about it before actually talking about it on the podcast but i said so this came out the same year as labyrinth so that was a year when people were trying some stuff (laughs) (laughs) it does have some kind of similar vibes and and i say this yeah as somebody who loves labyrinth and it's why the puppets aren't as good because mm-hmm. the Hanson Company was otherwise occupied. Yeah, no, the the good puppet makers at that time in that year were working on not this we're having movie. we're having some fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I I like the kind of subversive nature of the sort of plot and pacing in this, and I think that's partially because, like as was stated earlier, we are not following the Luke Skywalker; we are following the like Chewbacca. Chewbacca. <laughs> so um, the fact that at the first there's this huge big fight scene with like two gangs, and then these sorcerer elemental magician show up or whatever and are, are we just like peace out we just like run away from that <laughs> yes <laughs> and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff keeps happening in the beginning which i think is really kind of fun and um i do think yeah because this is obviously like the actual hero of this movie is wang and maybe egg you know some too but like definitely it's his fiance and it's all his mm-hmm. motivation he's the one driving the plot forward and stuff and it's as surprising um, to us as it is to jack it's like yeah <laughs> yeah sure but i just run over this guy it run through this yeah. guy in my truck and then these guys jump out of a giant giant thundercloud and start beating up everyone <laughs> i also like in the subversion element not to cut you off Lindsay, but i really liked i mean i hate <laughs> i love kim cattrall i hate yeah. slash yeah. love her character in this mm. She's kind of terrible, but also <laughs> it's fun. But I love the relationship between the two of them, yes. her and Jack Russell, and the fact that they, <laughs> Jack, Russell. Jack Russell, <laughs> the, you know, like yes. the terrier, uh, yeah. Kurt Russell, Jack Burton. There it is. Um, I like that they hate each other most of the time. They have chemistry. They do have good chemistry in both on screen and like in the story. But um, they just kind of share some wild moments and lean into it. And when they like want to make out, they make out. But then like there's no resolution. He's just like, I'm leaving. And she's like, I could come. And he's like, that's not a great idea. And then that's it. I feel like (laughs) when you're talking this kind of movie, there's the sort of Indiana Jones 
where it's like they end up together and mm. they're in love and they're whatever. And that's yeah. like not realistic. It's a more honest end. It to is a way more honest end to a sort much of to a movie honest. starring and a trucker. Yeah. Well, this is a kind of Shaun of the Dead of like, you know, um, martial arts movies and stuff it also i feel like is definitely making fun of both like indiana jones movies yeah i feel like there's multiple parodies of different harrison ford characters in this because there is some like han solo vibes there's some indiana jones vibes but like as a goofus who can't do anything right Mm -hmm. and like um uh but who still probably totally sees himself in his head this whole time like indiana jones but also like he's the star of this movie from his perspective (laughs) Also, also, yeah. I think some very clear John Wayne parodies. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, and I had heard that this movie was originally like uh, the original script before it was. I, I mean, I think John Carpenter and the writer worked on it, but the original script was like a actual western that it was Chinatown in the Gold Rush era, uh, which I could definitely think you see. I mean, Jack Burton literally leaves with saddlebags for his. <laughs> Truck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. When he's well, putting money the, in his saddlebags. And saddle the drawl bags. is very intentional. Yeah. The, uh, I, I specifically think about the the phone call with the insurance company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where it's just, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> very John Wayne. Yeah. Jack yeah. Burton. Yeah. Me. <laughs> so I, I think it was a fun. I, I mean, I think this was a better movie for kind of modernizing it than it would have been for being in that gold rush. Although it would have played into some of the fantasy elements to also have it be like historical. Um, but in general, I thought that the plot, while sometimes a little out of nowhere, was moved well was fun i thought the character development like i said even a bunch of the bit characters i feel like got more personality development than they would in a lot of movies um you know everybody except his fiance <laughs> but even the other the reporter that gracie law brings in she is very little in it but she still feels like a full yeah person i love you know? her i like her more than i like gracie because she's just <laughs> oh, kind me of too. like me too me <laughs> too along for the ride and like quietly stunned and then just like says these things about how she's gonna write this article later these sort of poetic observations (laughs) and then that's it her her writing things down in the bamboo cave (laughs) yeah no it's so fun i mean i'm with you that strange That I like her better than Gracie Law because Gracie Law is like a white savior character. But the movie is aware that she's a white savior character. Mm-hmm. So that's, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Margot, I think, was her name? Yeah, the Margo. Yeah, is uh, very fun. I love her for the little bit she has in it. She feels his friend Eddie, like all of these characters feel like they have a whole life going on. Um, which I think is really impressive in a cast this size. The originality of the story, obviously, in some ways is very original, in some ways is a lot of martial art movie tropes, you know, but uh, I think taking this approach to it was very, and I just thought it was very cool design the whole time. Mm-hmm. I like that there's kind of things never explained. That whole monster that shows up for a little while yeah. and, like, abducts Gracie Law at one point, and then there's no explanation for that. Mm-hmm. Remember when the Wing Kong shoot up a funeral? <laughs> <laughs> that just happens. Yeah. 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 Um, so there's some stuff like that, but in a way that doesn't feel, I, in a way that I enjoy. I like when they don't feel like they have to explain 
every single thing to you. I mean, there's a moment where he's like, was that a magic potion? And he's like, I was yeah. literally like, thinking the, the exact so. same thought. <laughs> yeah. Should we drink it? Yeah. Okay. And he just thought kind so. of agrees. <laughs> What's it? Gonna make a gonna make a stronger faster? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> So, um, yeah, overall, I found this movie a delight. (laughs) Incredible. Yeah. Also, Lindsay didn't say it. I'm sure it's going to be said if I don't. But the score is bonkers good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The score of this movie is incredible. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why it makes up a large portion. Uh, it, uh, It was selected as potentially the largest portion of our show yeah (laughs) yeah so there there's that it's a incredibly good score and that's not to say it's not dated because it definitely is dated but also it is dated in that right way in the right way yes Mm -hmm. and it's very Mm -hmm. just like it's one of those that is so driving of the the movie and the action but stays in your sort of periphery Mm -hmm. for most of it it doesn't take over but it's just like i don't know there's just something about it multiple times i was like god damn this is a good score um and it wasn't something that i really noticed the first time that i watched it but re-watching it to talk about it this time i was like every single time the score kicks in it is a just it just slaps it's so good. John Carpenter. Yeah. Well, he, he, and your synths. He, he yeah. wrote arguably in my in my opinion, the the single best like movie theme, which I th- is the Escape from New York theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that reminds me. Thank you for saying Escape from New York. So, Lindsay, the two movies that you were told that you have to see. For this podcast, I the uh-huh. only two that I brought up, and I think the only two that other people brought up, were to you Escape from New York and Big Trouble in Little China. Correct? Yes. yes you I should probably so. see Tango and Cash. Well, hang on. <laughs> yes! Hang on. Finally! <laughs> hang on. Between Escape from New York and Big <gasps> Trouble in Little China as the two Kurt Russell movies you had not seen that you were told you have to see... Which one would you pick? And I know that's kind of stepping on the like the the rankings later, but like between the two of them, which one do you think was more suited to you? And which one do you think was a better like hype, like a more accurate (laughs) hype? Yeah, I mean, I would probably say Escape from New York, I think. I mean, I really enjoyed this one as like a very goofy escapade mm-hmm. <laughs> but there is a part of me that uh likes escape from new york with like less of a layer of remove mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah so you know more of an earnest like <laughs> not that it, it isn't earnest my enjoyment of this but you know what i mean like uh, but part of me that isn't just observing it as like a fun movie but is like getting into it you mm-hmm. know um so yeah well I, I definitely enjoyed both of them i think i would probably put escape from new york as um along those you know. same lines uh cabbie or egg shen oh, oh <laughs> i think in egg. that one egg yeah <laughs> i have to agree with you even I, though i absolutely even I though love i love cabbie, cabbie. I love cabbie is, is fantastic great. but i 
I loved Eggshed. Yeah. But I just <laughs> like, I just was curious on a personal level because I know that this one is fun and we grew up with a lot of romps. The sort of Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. the the um, I mean we love Princess a romp. Bride, the mummy. The mummy. Bride, we grew up like, with a lot of sort of fun escapist romps. Clue. Clue. We love a romp. Clue. Yeah. But I also thought maybe it would lean towards Escape from New York because it's not political, but it is just political enough. And also mm-hmm. you're, you know, goth enough to like <laughs> appreciate the sensibilities more. Goth the, enough. Indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just curious because I know that these two are the ones that like me, but also people on the Internet and everyone was like. You got to watch this one and you got to watch that one when we're talking about Mm -hmm. Kurt Russell movies. And so I was just curious if you had to pick one between the two. But I would have put money on Escape from New York. So I was you would have been correct. All right. So super fan. Well, I I think you bringing up romp movies Mm -hmm. is very is very crucial to my love of this movie because I I didn't see this movie, I think, until I was like 19 or something. It wasn't something that I grew up with, but I I grew up with a a mother who loved Raiders and mm-hmm. uh, loved a Lawrence Kasdan Western called mm-hmm. Silverado, which if you've never seen Silverado, watch Silverado. Mm-hmm. OK, do you want to see a Western list? starring Kevin Kline? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I do. I, Kevin yeah, Kline, Kevin Costner, Danny Glover. Brian Dennehy. Oh, interesting. Jeff Goldblum. Linda Hunt. Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> what? I did not see Jeff Goldblum. Uh, John Cleese. <laughs> yeah, oh, John well, Cleese. Now I'm 100% in. Okay, let's go. But it also, it has that same, like, fun, quippy vibe. Mm-hmm. Of, a, like, I, I guess it would be, there's always the discussion of action adventure or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is very much an adventure film. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's, that sort of goes hand in hand with a romp. I think that a movie, it doesn't have to be, but I think that a movie that I would consider to be a romp has that sort of forward momentum of an adventure. Mm -hmm. And they're sort of Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. Yeah. But no, I agree. Like adventure is usually I mean, there are cases like Clue where it's not an adventure and it's a romp, but it's usually a part of a romp is like a travel fantasy indulgence kind Mm -hmm. of vibe, you know? Yeah. Well, and also the thing that I found the weirdest was that it took me so long to see this movie specifically as a huge fan of Hong Kong action movies yeah. since I mm-hmm. like I was going to the like arty video stores and like borrowing VCDs of John Woo movies when I was like 13 or 14 or whatnot. And then also a fan of the role playing game Feng Shui, which is Pretty much literally Big Trouble in Little China, the role playing game. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, and yeah, I it just took me a while to get to it, but it's it's very much my comfort movie. Where like if I'm yeah, having a bad I day, I will 
It's either this or it's Clue, depending on the mood. Clue, <laughs> Clue and Princess Bride are like my and the Mummy are my go-to comfort movies. So yeah. in the same same space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Andrew, did this movie work for you? Oh boy, did this movie work for me? <laughs> oh boy, did it ever work for me? Uh-huh. I was thinking about because I I. I, I I won't like mince words here or anything like that. I'll, I'll try to get through this quickly. I will say like the one word I would use to describe, if I had to distill it down to a single word mm-hmm. about this movie, I would say it is impeccable. That mm-hmm. is the word that I would use because the 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 conceit from, from the setup, right? That scene with the interrogation right out of the gate. I'm like, I love everything about this. The dialogue, mm-hmm. it's crisp. Everyone knows what they're doing, right? I think everyone is in on it. And when I can tell that the people making it are having a good time, I'm having a good time. I definitely Mm -hmm. think the joy in making this movie comes through in the end product. And it's, it's one of those where, like, I understand people not liking it, but it's just, like, the amount of effort put into it where like they are trying to hit a specific vibe a specific wavelength and it yeah. hits mm-hmm. so hard like I, yeah. I've said this about other movies like I understand if, <laughs> I understand if it's not your thing but it but it'll be precisely my thing mm-hmm. something like <laughs> yes. the WNUF <laughs> Halloween special where it's a found footage movie of like fake local news broadcasts from the nineties with like commercials in it all done in there or like black dynamite where it's such a beautiful and loving skewering of bad movies that these people loved with like, mm-hmm. like shot on the same 16 millimeter film stock that they would use in the seventies with stuff. Like every piece of this movie is so You know what I love? I love that (laughs) Kurt Russell's truck, when he's in it, is called the Pork Chop Express, and Mm -hmm. they never explain why. No. (laughs) You don't have to explain. It's so good. That's The 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 movie trusts you to just... It just makes sense. To just, like... That enjoy it and Kurt pick Russell, up these things on... Kurt Russell, when he's driving his truck across country, it is the Pork Chop Express. It's it's a perfect name for a perfect truck Mm. driven by a perfect dude. Yeah. <laughs> On whose CB he gives constant monologues. Yes. Again, early podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, right. no, uh, tying into another early podcasting thing, if you ever want to have a good time, uh, no, pull- none of us do. <laughs> <laughs> Not interested. Yeah. Uh, pull up the director's commentaries on any. Carpenter and Russell project because they are basically like like little proto podcasts of Kurt (laughs) Russell and John Carpenter, like drinking beers in a room, uh, talking to each other about their kids playing hockey and (laughs) and like it's 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 so casual and delight. Like it's such a good time and like very much. Yes, it's parasocial, but what isn't in these days? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if we're gonna, if I'm gonna start stop indulging in things because they're parasocial, then yeah, what am I even gonna do? <laughs> Live in a hole. 
Um, I is this I want to put this out there because I I I don't profess to know everything about John Carpenter's work um, beyond how it relates to kind of what we're doing here. This has this has to be his funniest movie, right? Is this his funniest movie? I've stumped the audience. I think it might be. Yeah, it's certainly of the ones I've seen and I have not exhausted his entire catalog. But like I can count on one hand. Less half of a hand how many John Carpenter movies I've seen. And this is definitely the funniest of those. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It feels so like I don't want to say out of character because the guy just does. It seems like he just does what he wants to do. And it it almost it it hits most. I I would say almost all the time. Right. Definitely the funniest John Carpenter movie. Now Mm -hmm. that I'm I mean, there's practically like Benny Hill soundtrack running in your mind when you watch this movie. (laughs) That was the most pleasant surprise to me was that, I I mean, I'm coming off of seeing this like years, 15, 20 years. I don't know. It's been a very long time since I saw this. And I went in with the same trepidation this time. I was like, oh, there's going to be some racism, my boy. (laughs) Um, But I really, either I didn't catch it the first time around or it just, um, maybe it was over my head at the time I watched it. But like, this is like an extremely funny movie i just i really Mm -hmm. really enjoyed that the dude can do everything it's actually it's it's a little it's infuriating to be honest with you how talented the guy is but um uh hold on uh breaking uh breaking news from uh uh, futzing around wikipedia i was not wrong (laughs) wd richter the screenwriter of uh the adventures of buckaroo bonsai across the eighth dimension was the person who modernized the script Oh, oh okay. well, there you go. Who so there brought it, it from the Wild West into the modern day. Perfect. Okay. There you go. That's great. Yes. I. All that is to say, it's impeccable. Uh, I, I love the, the sensibilities of this movie. I love that they go for it. They try to thing and it works. And I think what you said, Jamie, is true. Like it might not be someone's thing, but it mm-hmm. is extremely some. It can be extremely someone else's thing. Well, it, it's and, one of the things... Have you ever heard of a movie called The Way of the Gun? Yes, of course. Yes. Where, it's great. Like, and, and this is like tying back to, I, I don't have anything to promote or whatnot. So I guess so like listen to a director's commentaries on uh, movies that you have. They're very interesting. But it, it's one of those things where listening to the director's commentary for Way of the Gun I still don't know if I like that movie, but I definitely respect it now because mm. everything that I feel kind of weird about in that movie were intentional choices on uh, the director's part. And I think there are a lot of strong intentional choices made in this movie, and those are my favorite type of movies. Yeah, they they yeah. really go for it. They really go, He, you know, everybody. The only other thing I'll say is I for the life of me was trying to think of somebody. I remember briefly that we had potentially talked about this movie, like being, was it, I don't know if we were on mic or if I was talking with Eric or something, but there was like talk about like remaking this movie or something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, with the yeah, rock. So the rock. Yes. The rock like bought the right. It's like the rocks movie. And has been trying to make it for several years. I think here's what I'll say about that. There is, I love, don't do it. I love Dwayne the Stone Johnson. I love him. (laughs) 
he could never do this. He no, could, never he could never do it as good as Kurt Russell nailed it. He there's I can't think of anyone else who could be this in on it. The thing about The Rock is if he is <laughs> if he is attempting to play Jack Barton, if that's yes. what his plan is, and I don't know that it is, but if I would assume if he bought this movie and has been trying to remake it, The Rock does not let himself lose on film. And Jack Barton is constantly failing. All he does in this movie is not succeed. Yeah. (laughs) And that's part of the beauty of it and his character. And I think The Rock would change that. I feel like a Rock Jack Burton would be whatever his character is in Jungle Cruise. Yeah. Yeah, or Jumanji yeah, or, or whatever. Or in Jumanji, yeah. Where, like, I agree. Like, it just, you can't mess with that aspect of it. And I don't think he would be okay with his character constantly screwing up and mm-hmm. not win. He would be doing the version that is going on in Jack Burton's head, not the version <laughs> that is really happening that we're seeing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I, for those exact reasons, I, I think it was this past week or whatever, a brief tangent but also related is the where Vin Diesel has invited The Rock back yes. into the final Fast and Furious and there was something so petty as like they were they like uh, Vin Diesel had um, maybe suggested that they count how many times each person is hit in the films to make sure that one of them is hit less and I'm like control brother that is the dumbest shit I have ever and I I, that is exactly what would happen here about Vin Diesel or The Rock or both Vin Diesel and The Rock in the Fast and Furious movies I'm like (laughs) that is literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard what it's professional wrestling creative control this is what Hulk Hogan did in the 90s that doesn't work for me brother yeah It's like if if yeah again Kurt Russell on the on the set of this is like yeah we're, you're gonna shoot up in the air and uh, rocks are gonna fall on your head and you're gonna fall unconscious that doesn't yeah. work for me brother you're gonna be unconscious <laughs> for the entire for the entire fight like, yeah yeah climax fight you're gonna stab one guy and then he's gonna collapse he's on top of you and armor too heavy for you to lift God I forgot. <laughs> That's the thing about this movie is that it's it so rewards funny. repeat viewing. Yes. Yeah. There's so many great. I I had completely forgotten to uh, talk about this while Whitney was talking about the the racism aspect. But the uh, when the the Chang Sings show up in Egg Shen's place, the uh, any of them savvy English? Hey, who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> moment of like gosh he means he means well but he's yeah i've been using the word knucklehead a lot recently and i feel like jack burton is a platonic knucklehead yeah yeah and i think again Lindsay's. we've all kind of said it um Lindsay specifically said it it's the reason this movie works Mm -hmm. is because he is a knucklehead is because he thinks he's the star and i i think you're hard pressed to find Anybody in not in the history of cinema, but specifically like I'm hard pressed (laughs) to think of a star who has the star power that Kurt Russell has just like the charisma Mm -hmm. and the whatever and is making the kind of movies that that Kurt Russell has been making at this point. Who's willing to sort of take those knocks. Yeah. In. In comparison with someone like Sylvester Stallone, who is very much a 
I am going to get hands on in this project. I am going to rewrite it to my mm-hmm. specifications. Uh. Yeah, I can't imagine somebody who, who is getting leading man roles who wasn't like a comedic actor, who wasn't like a Paul Rudd or something, being able to supplement their ego. Being as generous. Um, a, yeah, being as generous is a great way to put it. Now I've forgotten his name, but the Ted Lasso. Uh, Jason yeah. Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. Paul Rudd. Those are the names that I'm coming up with, and those are all like comedians. And Kurt Russell is a comedian, not to the extent that Paul Rudd or Jason Sudeikis are, but I think that like you need that comedic sort of sensibility mm-hmm. in order to be able to p- pull the swagger off and yeah. not have it come off as tongue in cheek, but Harrison also Ford. not be too Harrison Ford. Maybe not later in his life. Harrison because, no, but, but also, but also even, not- even at the time, I think Harrison Ford thought of himself as too cool yeah. to, be Jack Barton. Jack Barton is making fun of Indiana Jones. He is. Yeah, he is definitely. He's on the the more giving side of 80s action heroes. Yes. But but also. Uh, and again, this would definitely not be true today, but uh, a late 80s Bruce Willis as well. Uh, Bruce Willis might be well, able no, to he, do this. He, yeah, he mm-hmm. is. Because like that, it's he gets the crap kicked out of him in Die Hard. Yeah, but he's still very much but the he's hero and he cool does things right. It. I think that the the closest indication that we have of, of Bruce Willis willing to like take it on the chin for the sake of a role is his guest stint in Friends. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna say Death Becomes Her. Oh well Death Becomes <laughs> Her, that's a good good one too. Just a really come hairy, from comedy. Yeah. A really yeah. harried and like pathetic Bruce Willis I mean he's very pathetic in that but I mean yeah I don't I don't know I think it's the the contrast of somebody who in their own head is the swaggering action star versus the like well-meaning goof to the outside world is the hard part so yeah basically the rock please don't do that yeah the rock only be the steward of the property not a not a recreator of it that's all yeah I mean, in general, I am against remakes unless you have a compelling thing that you can do now or like a very different take on something. Yeah. The Evil Dead this feels is like a, a good example. Yeah, This is a great movie. It just needs it doesn't like the remake of um, West Side Story that's coming out. Why? The original <laughs> West Side Story is great. Steven <laughs> we Spielberg, don't need. though. Yeah, but it looks so similar. Like from the trailers and stuff, it looks like he's basically just doing a reshoot. Like when they tried to reshoot Psycho, but in color. I'm like, uh, they succeeded why are you in reshooting doing this? Psycho in color. <laughs> did they though? Well, they did it did shot they? for shot. I would hope they. And yet, it has none of the energy mm, <laughs> the original does. Fair. Well, it's where you, where you compare Anthony Perkins to Vince Vaughn. <laughs> I can't yeah. believe it. How you dare. know who's not hot? Vince Vaughn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Truth. Was he ever, Whitney? Was Vince Vaughn ever hot? Ever. At any point no. of Vince Vaughn. Oh. Oh, really? So just. No. Yeah, no. no I, I think he is very much an acquired taste of like th- there is regardless of his youngness or handsomeness, there is a certain vibe off of Vince Vaughn that is 
unmistakable. Hmm. 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 Yeah, I'm still going to stick with he's never been hot. Not to <laughs> say that I don't think he's talented or entertaining or hmm. like fun to watch, but not not sexy. ever <laughs> once has he been hot, in my opinion. Uh, however, Norman Bates. Can get it? Yes, he can get it. Whitney, did you say what you think about this movie? I think you were the one who cued all of us up. I want to make sure you, if there was anything you needed to... No, I said everything I needed to say. Okay. score slaps. Yeah. It's not as racist as I thought it was going to be. That's it. Can can we please talk about how good Victor Wong is in this movie? Oh, Egg Shen is (laughs) one of my favorite... He's just... He's so pleasant for yeah. being a like world altering wizard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not the vibe you you should I, I expected from a world world altering wizard. That's and hard I to think, say. I think that his sort of like friendly neighborhood realist slash world world altering wizard. <laughs> like right? he, it's very hard to have the gravitas. But also to be like, don't worry so much. We're all going to die one day. Have a beer kind of attitude. That's very hard for to. That's a hard line to walk. And he walks it perfectly in this movie. It's him and James Hong as David Lopan in this movie are it's they're two of my favorite performances of all time because I love how pissed off Lopan is. Yeah. You, it's very you good. so rarely get like villains that are so visibly frustrated at their circumstances. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yet, yeah, like specifically the scenes where he's old Lopan in the wheelchair are just the universe mm-hmm. was not put here for you to get it, Mr. Burton. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good look. Yeah. No, yeah. I do love his frustration. I love the clear sense of a previous relationship with him and Egg. I would totally watch a prequel that involved like one of the first times they encountered oh, each yeah. other or something. Yeah, make um, that. Although it would be hard to get this. actors. Yeah. Do that. Do that. Expand on the universe instead of just remaking a great movie. Um, but but yeah, I do love his energy. I love that he's just like giving tours of Chinatown. <laughs> And again, that that David Lopan is this like known businessman at the same time mm-hmm. that he is a like ghost wizard. <laughs> <laughs> ghost. Well, I know. I also did love the how whatever David Lopan. They're like David Lopan, the like importer exporter millionaire who's so the owner of the Wing Kong Exchange. It it really had, um, and I know Whitney and I are the only two people who've seen this movie and I reference it too, but but like state and main vibes, the way that like anytime anybody mentioned David Lopan, they had to do that little like blurb, his LinkedIn Mm -hmm. on him. (laughs) (laughs) The elevator pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This was exactly what I hoped it would be, which Mm -hmm. is just an absolute (laughs) love fest for this film. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure that we uh, we covered everything. I think we all kind of agree this was like a, a really wonderfully shot movie. Production design is all very, very high. Uh, a mm-hmm. lot of care went into it. Score slapped. We covered all that stuff. 
like John Carpenter movies tend to be, it is not the highest budget film I have ever seen, but it is yeah. impeccably made for the budget they had. Yes. Just exactly. as far as like costume and sets and cinematography and all of that, the quality is very high. And like basically all John Carpenter, because despite the budget, it has such a clear and specific sense of style. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And a lot the, of that also comes down to Dean Cundy doing the cinematography. Mm. Yeah. Like he's on all of the big Carpenters. Cool. Yeah. I love that. Uh, that leaves one final question. We know the uh, the thoughts have been made very, very clear on Vince Vaughn, but I have to ask. <laughs> a brief moment of, is he hot in this one? If you just want to know what movies is he pretty in, that's a heavy burden for me alone to bear. Maybe just his character in the last one bugged me enough that I didn't think he was as dreamy. He's very dreamy in this film. Is he hot in this one? <laughs> I never a don't brief enjoy moment that. of is he Whoops, it started playing again. Oh, no. <laughs> I let it roll again. I don't give a no, shit. No, once an episode is all I can handle. <laughs> I think I know the answer, but we'll go around the room. We'll just go around the room and just, you know, give a little bit about this. But I got we got to start with Whitney. Whitney, what are we thinking about Jack Burton? 100% hot. Okay. Definitely not the character that Kurt Russell has played so far that I'm most inclined to date. Sure. Yeah. 100%. And this is something that we've discussed before. I have made this claim before. Hottest he's been yet in this movie. There you really? go. Okay. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, like, even on a scale of John Carpenter movie hotness, I would put Snake Plissken above Jack Barton. He's definitely hotter than his character in The Thing, but... I think that he is hotter in this one than he is in Escape from New York. Yeah. And he, is. he is very wholesome in this movie. Yes, I think that's yes. it. I think that, like, a lot of his other films recently have been more action-y, mm-hmm. and so he's a little bit more dour and a little bit more, like, straight-laced, and I think that the sort of wholesomeness and the, the doofusness. Yeah works for him in this particular regard. Also, this is the most mullety his hair has been yet. It, it keeps getting more and more mullety. And I keep expecting that to turn me off. And it, to have a tipping no. point? Yeah. No, Jack, Jack Burton is it. probably is one of cinema's greatest mullets. Oh, it yeah. might be cinema's yeah. greatest mullet. I think we could call it. I mean, it, when you get to overboard mullet, I think that that's the tipping point for me personally, although it's been a while since I've watched I'm very curious overboard. to see that because... I think that that's going to be my tipping point for when the mullet's not hot anymore because I don't <laughs> like mullets in general. They are mm. not at a selling point. But I'm curious to see if Overboard is the, the mullet tipping point. As I understand that Overboard is going to be the tipping point for a lot of other things oh, as well. God. So it might just compound. Yeah. Um, yeah. Truth. Truth. Yeah. <laughs> Overboard is going to be a wild ride, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> We don't, we don't have to wait long. Spoilers. In the 80s. I recall so little of that film, and so many people have said either I love that film or it's horrifying and does not hold up at all and you can't watch it. And yeah. there's really no one has come up with middle ground in that. Mm-hmm. So, And I don't remember it well enough to remember where I'm going to fall on this. I feel Whitney, like I you and I both. Yeah. I yeah. cannot recall and i yeah. mean i remember seeing it but i don't i'm like yes what could these people be referring to 
there, yeah, it's either dog shit or it's oh, it's it's hilarious. I'm like I, I mean, <laughs> I don't. Know. I've kind of had both of these because my childhood recollections of this movie was that it was like fun, and mm-hmm. then I saw it a couple years ago and I was like oh. <laughs> so I'm curious. That one's gonna be a wild ride, but I also think Lindsay could be right in that that's a mullet tipping point. But yes, this is the hottest that Kurt Russell has been to date, in my humble opinion. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, Lindsay, what are you thinking? I mean, yes, I think he's hot in this. Okay. All right. We, I, I mean, I, I under, when you said Snake Plissken, I understood you were all about the, the uniform that Snake Plissken. I did it, like the outfit. Yeah. Yes. So that's the, that's, I think that's the difference there. Just goth enough. You know, that's the, that's it's, the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it's true. It's uh, a Batman My broody teenage self would have definitely banked harder <laughs> for Snake Plissken. So. Yeah. Yeah. Jamie, what what uh, what are your thoughts here? You want to weigh in? Oh, he is a stone cold hunk in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he is also these jeans. Yeah, the the like the jeans eighties mom jeans really work for Kurt Russell. Yes, like a lot, like way more than Snake Plissken's jeans. And also that they're, I have seen so many people wear that specific tank top that he wears. Yeah. It's such a good tank top. <laughs> no, it's a, and just because uh, I think about, you know, still overboard is upcoming. Like this is such an excellent tank top in this movie, which quickly goes to such an unspeakably terrible tank top in the next movie. <laughs> how could how could one man wear both of these tank tops? It doesn't make any so sense. Differently. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. But I do think that men should go back to pants that are tailored more at the actual waistline because it, these are very good jeans. I don't know if anybody's seen Loki, but like they found actual 50s trousers for Tom Hiddleston to wear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so hot. Like just. Yeah. Yeah. Wear your pants, guys. Wear them right. Natural waist looks better in men's pants. Mm-hmm. Let mm-hmm. me see that ass. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh my god I want to get to the pub quiz part <gasps> gotta do a capitalism it's true I have officially renamed it in the show in notes here. oh my gosh I love that I'm very proud of that you did it you did yeah. it let's do a capitalism let's do a capitalism because I want to get Charles in here I am anxious to lose this game <laughs> 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 Let's go. All right. Backblaze. Let me tell you about this company. I love them. I have, um, it's running in my menu bar right now. Hold on. Let me just check. What's the new number? Uh, 53. That can't be. No, nope, that's probably right. 53 terabytes of data backed up with Backblaze. That's Yeesh. a lot of data. That's four. That's uh, eight more than is listed on the notes. I <laughs> This past weekend, I just did a shoot where they required me to shoot in 4K, 60 frames per second raw video. And that Even if you don't know what that is, it sounds very impressive. I was like, are you guys fucking kidding me with this thing? Sorry, Backblaze, I don't said, mean to curse, but I do. And they said, we are not kidding. You better have a storage solution. I all, I had to go out <laughs> and buy new hard drives in order yeah. to be able to just handle the footage and and do it. Uh, and Backblaze has backed it all up since since then. So what an incredible service. I've been using it for uh, like 10 years more-ish. Uh, for $7 a month, uh, you could just have this running in your taskbar or your menu bar. Backs up everything on your computer and connected to it. 
So it's like instant peace of mind for me. This is my work. This is my livelihood. The podcast, I love it deeply. If I ever lost it, I'd be very, very sad. It would be a huge blow. <laughs> so I don't want to do that. So I back everything no. up. And you should too. Spend your money there. That's it. It's Capitalism 12 and 24. done. <laughs> well, let me just say the URL. <laughs> yeah, so everybody. No, yeah, no, yeah. 12and24.com slash backblaze and do that and sign up. And it's great. Now, Whitney, you can. Charles, get in here. <laughs> I guess. Um, it was I guess unceremonious. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let's. Let, okay, hold on here. Figure it out, asshole. We're going to find out who's who. I mean, I'd peg us at a D minus for this kind of thing. Keeping you at a disadvantage is an advantage I intend to keep. Think you can win on talent alone? You don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. I honestly, I don't remember, okay? Ask about horses again, I'll slap you red. <laughs> hey, that was fun! That's that big trouble with little China score that Whitney was talking so much about. That's it. That's the one. This is Figure It Out Asshole, our very own quiz show where the host will ask each of us three questions. If one of us gets it wrong, the other participants have a chance to steal. I don't know if Charles uh, engineered the questions to have one additional answer, but if we all get it wrong, then there's a point by default, um, if, that, if that is indeed the case. Without further ado, you heard him just moments ago, Charles Nolan. Oh, everybody. Hey, Charles. Hello, Hello Charles. I am so excited for this trivia game. Me too. Right. I'm excited for Jamie. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump right in, starting with Jamie. <laughs> in his opening tirade, Jack says that a man would have to be some kind of what to believe we're all alone in this universe. Is it fool, idiot, nincompoop, or dummy? Ah, uh, that would be nincompoop. That is incorrect. <gasps> Steel? Uh, I think that was Whitney. No, it was Lindsay. No, oh, never uh -huh. mind. That was Lindsay. <laughs> Uh, fool? That is correct. There it is. <laughs> All, right. All right. Moving on. Question number two goes to Lindsay. After the hubbub at the airport, Jack gets cut off on the highway by a truck for which athletic apparel brand? Was it Nike, Adidas, Puma, or Ace One? Uh, Nike? That is incorrect. Steel. Andrew. Adidas. That is incorrect. Damn it. Steel? Whitney. Ace One? That is incorrect. <laughs> Steel? Jamie. <laughs> Puma. That is correct. <laughs> there you go. Default. 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 <laughs> Question number three goes to Whitney. Yes. What color are the fire hydrants throughout Chinatown? 
Are they yellow, white, red, or green? Yellow? That is incorrect. Steel? Jamie. I'm going to say red. That is incorrect. Steel? Lindsay. White? That is correct. Oh. <laughs> Nailed it. Oh, Almost sweeping at this point. I was trying to go for the <laughs> default point. <laughs> to Andrew. Oh, boy. Kurt Russell turned down a role in what 1986 movie to star in this movie instead? I love this. Was it Top Gun, Aliens, Highlander, or The Color of Money? Oh, my God. Imagine any of them. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm going to go with The Color of Money on this one. It's incorrect. Damn it. Steel? Lindsay. Highlander? That is correct. Well oh, done. Wow. Okay, right. now I'm trying to imagine a Kurt Russell Highlander. Highlander. Yeah. It would have been amazing. <laughs> the entire reason that was my answer. <laughs> right, just wheel it into existence. <laughs> I am a little upset that we do not have that. Right. Why well, not? that actually, that actually no ties into those. something we were talking about earlier. Have any of y'all seen the Kurt Russell screen test for Han Solo? Yes. No. I haven't. Did you know that this existed? I did not uh, until right I now. I did not. You can look at it on the internet. Clicky, clicky. It's wow. magical. Clicky. All right. I'm going to check that out. To the top with Jamie. How long into Jack's attempt at finding Meow in the brothel does Wang want to go in and check on him? Is it five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, or 20 minutes? I'm going to say five minutes. That is incorrect. Steel? Steel? Uh-oh. I heard Whitney first. 15 minutes. That is incorrect. Oh. Steel? Lindsay. 20 minutes? That is incorrect. Steel. Andrew. Don't fuck this up. Don't fuck this up. Don't fuck this up. <laughs> 10 minutes. That is correct. <laughs> yeah. Default point. Default. I don't know if Jamie knows that rule. If you can't remember the other options, mm-hmm. you cannot answer the question. Okay. So if you, yeah. if Andrew had misremembered, had said seven. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have. Andrew yeah. would not win, even if it is by default. Okay. So just, so, just, just so you know that rule. It's you have harrowing. to remember Correct. all of the options. <laughs> it's impossible. Is, yeah. No, I can't do it. It's not a thing. To Lindsay. The outfit Kurt Russell wears when infiltrating the brothel is the same outfit that he wore in which prior movie? Was it The Strongest Man in the World, The Best of Times, Swing Shift, or Used Cars? Swing Shift? That is incorrect. Steel. Oh. Whitney was locked and loaded. Used cars. That is correct. Nice. No, see, I, didn't, I didn't watch used cars. <laughs> yeah, no, probably, and don't. No one should. The, the only yeah. thing that used cars 
got for me was the answer to that question. <laughs> there was an incredible stunt car jump at the end over a train. An incredible stunt car jump over a moving train. Lane Train wants everyone to know that he loves the movie Used Cars. <laughs> there I it mean, is. it found its target audience, you know, somebody out there, you know, for every movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For everyone and everyone for something. Someone There's for a everything. A lid for every pot and a Lane Train for every used cars. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Moving on to Whitney. Yes. We take what we want and leave the rest. Just like your, what? Is it buffet, government, salad bar, or politicians? Buffet? That is incorrect. Steel. Jamie. Salad bar. That is correct. Salad bar. Just like your salad bar. (laughs) What a line. (laughs) To Andrew. A whole bunch of statues get destroyed while the group is trying to escape the clutches of Lopan. Mm -hmm. What are the statues of? Is it Buddha, a lion, a dragon, or Kurt Russell? Oh my god. Um you know, I wish I was, you know. Um I'm going to go with uh, a lion. Incorrect. Steel. Damn it. Jamie. Uh Buddha. It's a bunch of Buddhas. <laughs> there it is. One of them gets shot with a crystal rocket launcher. <laughs> Again, why aren't you watching this movie right now? <laughs> yeah, magnificent. Yeah. Last round of regulation. Mm -hmm. Back up to the top with Jamie. Egg Shen's office was in a building previously used in what 1984 movie? Was it Romancing the Stone, Gremlins, Dreamscape, or Ghostbusters? I'm going to say Ghostbusters. That is correct. It looks it. Incredible. Nice. It is the firehouse. It, it has a barber's pole and everything. Or not exactly. a barber's pole, a fire pole. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to Lindsay. According to Egg, what's the only thing that can kill a dream? Is it hope, love, faith, or a dream? A dream? That is correct. Thank you. I was a little unsure, but I went with it. Do Whitney. Yes. Who of these was not considered or pitched for the role of Jack Burton? Jack Nicholson, Keanu Reeves, Jeff Bridges, or Clint Eastwood? Keanu Reeves. That is correct. How dare they? I'm so ready to steal. <laughs> How dare. He would have been 13 or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. I do think I knew the Clint Eastwood, which would have been a very different movie. Well, again, th- those ones that they're talking about feel more like the vibe of a Western. Yeah. I wonder if those were with the original 
Gold Rush era movie or with the updated one. Eastwood was definitely with the original Gold Rush era version. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. For the final question of regulation, figure it out, asshole. Andrew. Okay. How many times does Jack Burton's full name, Jack Burton, get said throughout the movie? I hate this so much. Jack Burton, me. Is it 12, 14, 16, or 18? Um, it's really unknowable, I think. Uh, it's not, four- because counting exists. <laughs> <laughs> Fourteen. That is incorrect. Son of Steel. I heard all of you simultaneously. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna try that again. I'm gonna count one, two, three, go, and then everyone says it <laughs> no, on I'm, go. Here we I go. I advocate to Lindsay. I think. Okay. Uh, really? I was about to advocate to you. Wow. Um, I guess this means Whitney gets to. No, I didn't say anything. Don't advocate to me. All right. Okay, I'll go then. Uh, 18. That is incorrect. Steel. Jamie. Well, that was going to be my answer, so I'm going to say 16. That is incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) Default, default. If I can remember what the other one. Did anyone say 12? Uh, 12. Oh, you did it. By the skin you of my teeth, it. I legitimately did not know if 12 was the last remaining answer. Well done. The bonus round of Figure It Out Asshole, wherein questions are not posed to any particular person. Everyone gets to buzz in, and the first one to buzz in gets to guess the answer. Let's hear everybody's buzzer sound, starting with Jamie. Buzz. <laughs> I love it. Next up, Lindsay. Ding, ding, ding. Whitney. Me. And Andrew. We go. Bonus round question number one. The ending song is written and performed by the band The Coupe de Vils, a band made up of John Carpenter, Tommy Lee Wallace, and which frequent Carpenter collaborator and actor from Halloween? Is it Donald Pleasance, Nick Castle, Tony Moran, or Lee Van Cleef? I heard a buzz from Jamie. Uh, Nick Castle. That is correct. Nicely done. Otherwise known as The Shape, the original Michael Myers. The Indeed, The Shape. Bonus round, question number two. What is the name of the test the green-eyed women have to pass for Lopan to marry them? Is it the scorching sword, the flaming foil, the burning blade, or the hot heart? Ding, ding, ding. I heard Jamie. Uh, The burning blade. That is correct. Running away with it. You know, I have seen this movie a lot of times. Uh huh. Hey, no, it was as foretold by the prophecy. Yes. This round question number three. 
How many shots does Jack fire into the stone archway before the big fight at the end, knocking himself unconscious? <laughs> Numbers. Two, three, four, or five? Ding, ding, ding. Lindsay. Three? Three is correct. Yep. Dang. Nice. All right. We got a game. <laughs> it's very competitive this time. <laughs> True. Well, <laughs> no, no. You can't win them all. You the know? current score is six to five to three to one. <laughs> I got more than the void for now. I'm the void will add a fifth option. No. <laughs> That's that will undo my default rule. Damn that it. would be just too much. This round question number four. One of the greatest names in the cast of this movie, Noble Craig played which character? Pinstripe Lawyer, Needles, Mrs. O'Toole, or Sewer Monster? Me. Whitney. Needles. That is incorrect. Ding, ding, ding. I believe that I heard... Jamie? <laughs> I'm going to go with Sewer Monster. That is correct! Oh, oh, oh that's what I was going to say, too. <laughs> Incredible. Oh, bootleg Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> bootleg Chewbacca. <laughs> he sort of looks like if you mixed Chewbacca with the Klingon Satan. Yeah. yeah, or like uh, who was it was that guy who drew that drew those like a hot rod monster pictures. <laughs> I don't know. If I'm I familiar. do not know. Yeah, no. <laughs> reference. This is going to be a really great reference. With everyone. Hot rod monsters. <laughs> I am deeply intrigued, though. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, with a score of zero for the void, one for Andrew, three for Whitney. Five for Lindsay. Jamie is victorious with seven correct answers. Oh, my God. Here you go. You were meant to be here tonight. Take a lap. And you know? Big Daddy Roth is who I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Lane Train has a question for everyone. Oh, man. It's not a show without Lane Train. Here's what we'll do. Let's have Charles finish and then Lane Train. Hopefully everybody's Googling what a uh, Big Daddy Roth uh, hot rod monster looks like because this is a really apt analogy and I'm not going to let it just die. <laughs> All right, audience is a section of the quiz show where I ask questions <laughs> to our audience. And they get to tweet to me at the Nolan T H E N O W L I N on Twitter with their guesses. So far, there have been no guesses. Oh, come on, Rude. people, get it together! In the Discord, you can also toss your answers out in the Discord. So, join the Discord. <laughs> yes, do that. Our questions from. Last episode were 
There's a banner on a tower during the big game that dubs this match the Great What? It's the Great Replay Battle. Hmm. And what color flower is the Colonel wearing during the game? It was orange. Two figure it out audience questions for Big Trouble in Little China. Question one. The last time we see the character Lightning, the Lightning briefly takes the shape of a Chinese character meaning what? Question number two. The aforementioned Buddha statues lined up in the ceremony room. How many are there? <laughs> <laughs> Tweet to me at the Nolan, T-H-E-N-O-W-L-I-N. And if you're right, you'll get a shout out on the next episode. Uh, Charles, hang around. I don't know if Lane Train wants to talk to you. It, it often happens. It, it, that is often the way it goes. So we'll, uh, we'll see here. Let's see. Uh, Lane Train, you're I, on the air. Guys, I got, you know, the thing I don't understand, I'm really starting to think John Carpenter went to Babes in Toyland and went in a Barnaby for Lopin. What's with the freaking uh, big uh, pinky uh, fingernail? Oh, his big Coke nail? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I laughed. I'm like, oh, my God. This is Babes in Toyland. <laughs> Whitney can't see me doing it. Well, only Whitney can see me doing it right now. But the the scene where Lopan and Eggshen have, for lack of a better word, a game of Street Fighter in the middle of the giant. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The giant battle where he's shooting a beam out of his two big <laughs> Coke nails and just wiggling his thumbs around real hard. Yeah. Yep. Now let me now let me ask you, which movie did it better, Big Trouble in Little China or Spaceballs? <laughs> oh, Big Trouble in Little China, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the long fingernails were a status symbol thing, I believe, in Imperial China that are similar to high heels. So high heels became a thing in the court of Louis the Fourteenth because they basically were like, this shoe is so hard to do anything in. I am clearly so rich, I don't have to work. And the very long fingernails were a similar, I am so rich, I do not have to have functional hands because <laughs> wow. my nails are so long. That's a real Someone flex. can feed me with their hands. Yeah. Exactly. I have to do no work, clearly, or my nails would have broken and somebody can feed me. So, yes, it was a status symbol, I believe, in Imperial China. Interesting. Now, I got one last little thing I wanted to go back to the uh, beginning of the uh, show. Uh huh. How about we do John Wick 5 and we call in Kurt Russell to help Keanu? I'm in. Uh, I'm in for John Wick 5 regardless, but you know, let's. No, you know you what know. they should do? They should do like a New Mexico. Um, Continental and Kurt Russell should run it. Oh my God! That oh would be no! Good. See, I think you're you're all missing the bigger picture. Let's go. Keanu called there. John Wick calls in Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell is Mister Nobody. <laughs> John Wick, Fast and Furious crossover. Oh no! <laughs> oh. No, I don't like that. 
I love Fast and Furious. We I have, love John Wick. I don't want to cross. We him. have already established that John Wick is good at driving, which is the most important no, thing in the I, Fast <laughs> universe. Yeah, but what doesn't John Wick have? Family. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, I like my idea. Give him a Western sort of like on the border of North and South America, continental, yeah. or like a mm-hmm. like a Baja or Tijuana or a, you know something like that. Shoot it in the house where Matthew McConaughey actually lives. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, are you hanging out with Matthew McConaughey? No, but I I can imagine. I have a vivid <laughs> image. Uh-huh. The only way that would actually work, the first kill. Matthew McConaughey comes out of nowhere and says, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> there he is. There he is. All right. I mean, you've given us a lot to think about. I would love mm-hmm. Kurt Russell in any of my Kia. I, you know, I want, you know, I want to have my cake and eat it too. I want Kurt in a Keanu movie or I want Keanu in a Kurt movie. I don't care how it, how it happens. Just we need to make it happen. That's really what it is. We need to... We need to start a petition. If you start it, I'll sign I'll make the How's website. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll, I'll do my part. Okay. Yeah, no, if, if, if there's a petition, I will sign it. All right. Yeah, same. Let's get it going. Let's get it Let's going. Let's also make them kiss. <laughs> yeah. If that's what the no one wants, the no one in the void <laughs> There it is, Charles. Oh, boy. It's been spicy lately. I, I like this, Charles. Has anyone looked up Ed Big Daddy Roth yet? Yes, I, did. I, have, okay. I have. I have. And I will say it is correct. Apt. Yeah. I have it, it right in apt. front of me. That's why okay, I good. laughed. I, I think I hope I muted myself. I probably didn't, though. You well, did not. I heard tra- you. Chuckle. I was like, oh, my God. Jamie is absolutely 100%, yeah, 100%. right. Vindicated. Yeah. Here's anyway. Cool. Here's. The only place significantly more tongue than I noticed the basement monster having, but <laughs> otherwise, very, otherwise. very. Uh, yeah. The Big Daddy Roth drawings I am only familiar with from Pogs. Pogs. There was yes, a that's what they're Pogs that, are back. That rat with the bulgy eyes or <laughs> mouse was on a lot of Pogs. Yeah, that tracks. Mm-hmm. I still have all my pogs. So I also I. have Whitney's pogs. Yeah. I have some of my own pogs, but Lindsay has most of my pogs. Let me see those slammers is what I'm talking about, though. Yeah. I have a lot of my, my favorite one was the Yin Yang slammer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good to us the time. Mm-hmm. Mine was an eight ball. Yeah, accurate. Uh, mine was <laughs> unused because I would never bring my pogs out because I was too afraid of losing them. Yeah, tracks. <laughs> that really tracks. Well, that, that was the thing about pogs is that it was high stakes. It was. If you lost your pogs, you lost the pogs. Yeah, I. That, that was also how they played magic back in the day too. I didn't play pogs competitively, so you know. Oh, mm, I only fine. played pogs competitively. <laughs> Lindsay and I wouldn't play if it wasn't if there wasn't something. If it stake. wasn't for keeps, we yeah. Gotta, you, yeah. You, it's like let, if you, you didn't know, have any juice. Let's make it interesting. One of those situations. <laughs> Whitney and I ran a backstage poker ring <laughs> <laughs> and our, as children, as little babies. Our community theater 
love to have kids in it because the more kids you had in it, the more like grandparents and grandparents uncles and aunts or whatever. Tickets. Yeah. Um, so there was always like whatever village was in the play, there was about 1500 children running around <laughs> in it. And Lindsay and I in the like green room for all the kids started a like poker ring where we were the only two that knew how to play poker. And we hustled all of the kids out of candy and toys and, and whatever we could get them to bring in to gamble with. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, I learned, I learned something, you know what I'm saying? We did not cheat or lie about the rules of poker. Correct. But we, did, we were the only ones who came into it with a knowledge of poker. So, you know, you didn't twist their arm. They, they no. agreed to play, right? So yeah. Buy the ticket, take the ride. And, yeah. a, and everybody. Thus in the, I am blameless. And everybody <laughs> in the circle had to agree on the worth of items. Yes. So like if it was we, like we sat and sorted them into like five ten and twenty-five chip value. Yes. And everyone trinkets. had to agree. So we didn't we didn't we did not cheat. How old were you? Uh we were like eight and nine. What the fuck was I doing when I was eight or nine years old? <laughs> it wasn't this, I'll say that. Hey, we later faked a haunting of the same theater where we ran. It's the true. Ring, we did. So. We we faked a ghost. <laughs> it was a whole thing. <laughs> you know, we didn't go to school. We had to make our own fun. Like, we had a lot of free time on our hands. Hey. <laughs> it sounds like a, we were home. It sounds great. We can call anything a class. Yeah. <laughs> No, it sounds like a, a literal uh, school of hard knocks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was, you can put that on your Facebook profile. I was 11 or, or 12 when I learned how to make a martini and tie a noose. Mm-hmm. At the same time or yeah. just from, completely? From the same person. Alfred oh. Hitchcock. Yeah. <laughs> that man was Yeah, Alfred Phil, Hitchcock. if you're out there, thank you for the martini knowledge. Mm-hmm. And the noose. And the news. And the news. They both came I've in handy the, the separately. The former more than the latter. Yeah. 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 I've made a lot more martinis than I have nooses. Noose-i? What's the plural of noose? Niece. Niece. <laughs> yeah, it just makes sense. If goose is geese, then noose is niece. You know, that's... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Charles is still here. Big I trouble in Little China. <laughs> <laughs> Charles, I didn't know. Uh, something about uh, Ed Big Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Charles, thank you so much for all you do. You're a delight. Uh, you, so you... much for having me. I have a delight. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I'm glad for you, Charles. That sounds yeah. nice. I worry sometimes about you and your void. I'm glad that you have a delight. All delights as well. Oh, that's very Uh, nice. uh, And I'm very proud of Jamie, whose abilities were talked up and he followed through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, he delivered. Did not disappoint. All right. I I, I guess I think the next one's, uh, you know, not to overboard. I don't know what your feelings on that one are, Charles, but I, I expect... I don't know what you're going to do. So, um, going to do trivia. Okay, great. Great, 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 great. Yeah. Be kind, please. Be kind to me. Mm. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. I knew it. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. 
Have a good one, Charles. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, Charles. <laughs> Bye, Charles. Goodbye. Yeah, like Charles. What a character. Oh my gosh. We're uh we're you know, we try to save you time on the on the Usually films. we try to save you time. <laughs> so far we have not saved you time. Here's what's happening though. Do you know what you know what's happening? It's unbelievable that this is free. You know what I'm saying? It's unbelievable that this level of entertainment is free for anyone. It's true. So, it's true. come on. You will not find this level of pog discussion anywhere else. You're I, welcome, I defy you world. to find this level of pog <laughs> discussion. Uh, I'm going to run down very quickly the major plot points from Wikipedia about this film. Feel free to chime in with any uh, additional tidbits if uh, you feel Wikipedia has done a bad job. Uh, truck driver Jack Burton wins a bet with his friend Wang Chi. To make sure he follows through on payment, Jack accompanies him to the airport to pick up Wang's Chinese fiance, Miao Yin, where a Chinese-American street gang, the Lords of Death, tries to kidnap another Chinese girl. She is being met by her friend, Gracie Law. After Jack intervenes, they take Miao Yin instead. We have to mention the one guy in the Lords of Death's sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> that are just full white with like a look. I, I, were those like old school welding goggles? <laughs> no, no, because I, I know that it's I know that that style of sunglasses. is no, it's for like Arctic exploration. OK, yeah. No, they're like whiteout glasses. Yeah. Interesting. They're, yeah. they're like full white and they have a little tiny slit in them. Hmm. You know, I did notice also that, that but I had a butterfly question. A butterfly uh. knife and an extendable baton on one dude. <laughs> <laughs> that guy likes gadgets. He's a formidable foe, to, to be sure. Uh, Jack and Wang. Especially the in the Arctic. <laughs> Especially. <laughs> You're not going to come across much in the Arctic, but if you come across this guy, we, we know who's going to win. Uh, Jack and Wang track the Lords of Death to Chinatown, where they find a funeral procession that erupts into a battle between the Chang, Sing, and Wing Kong, two ancient Chinese warrior societies. When the three storms, thunder, rain, and lightning, warriors with weather-themed powers, appear, slaughtering the Chang Sing, Jack attempts to gun his big rig through the crowd, but runs over David Lopan, a man directing the three storms. Horrified, Jack exits his truck but finds Lopan unhurt and glowing with magic. Wang hurriedly guides Jack through the alleys. The two escape, but Jack's truck is stolen. Why did they steal Jack's truck? Was that ever Because explained? it was there. Oh, okay. They good. just abandoned it. Free truck. They, when they ran Free. away, they just <laughs> left it. <laughs> I called criminals. it. It's mine. I called well, it. It's and, mine. And also in, in this scene, uh, this is where... Lopan blinds him and it's another one of those moments where like they don't they don't explain why he is able to blind Jack Burton they don't explain why Wang knows to splash water on his face to yeah it's uh yeah how often this so, is happening I did have that thought I was like how often does this happen it that makes me know? think it happens fairly often <laughs> pretty regularly yeah yeah the, it's the thing you just that's wandered so around great about Chinatown this movie and is like David Lopan blinds you for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> or oh. some, some guys in red and black shoot up your funeral. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. 
Uh, Wang takes Jack to his restaurant where they meet with Gracie, her her journalist friend Margot, Wang's friend Eddie Lee, and magician Egg Shen, a local authority on mysticism and Lopan. They explain to Jack, who only wants his truck back, the ancient knowledge and sorcery the Chinese brought with them to America. The group devises a plan to infiltrate a brothel where they believe Miao Yin is held. They break in but are interrupted by the storms who kidnap Miao Yin and take her to Lo Pan. Jack and Wang track down the front business used by Lo Pan and impersonate telephone repairmen to gain access. <laughs> this is... Is incredible. <laughs> so, he comes in holding a telephone. He's holding a telephone. Shows yes. them the telephone to, to represent like, oh yes, it's me, See? the telephone repairman. See? My credentials. <laughs> and he's just I, like, I where is phone. it? Is it down this way? And he just walks like right by them. It's perfect. <laughs> Unfortunately, they are quickly subdued by rain. <laughs> the, the ruse does not last long. After being tied up and beaten by thunder, the two meet Lopan. However, he now appears as a crippled old man. Wang tells Jack that Lopan needs a green-eyed girl to break an ancient curse, and he intends to sacrifice Miao Yin. Centuries ago, Lopan was defeated in battle by Emperor Qin Shi Huang. Yeah, he cursed Lopan with incorpora- <laughs> incorporeality. There you go. Although Lopan can be temporarily granted a decrepit body by supplication to the gods, he can permanently break the curse by marrying a woman with green eyes and sacrificing her. Jack and Wang's friends attempt to save them and are also captured. After getting the drop on Thunder, Jack, Wang, and Eddie escape and free women kept in cells. An orangutan-like wild man recaptures Gracie before she escapes. Lopan notes that Gracie has green eyes too, and decides to sacrifice her while making Miao Yin his wife. Any girl with green eyes will do. Any girl with green eyes will do. Yeah, if he wasn't limited to a Chinese woman with green eyes, you feel like he could have found this sooner. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what the, um, what the issue was, really. And he doesn't leave Chinatown. <laughs> I feel like right. it, was a, it was pure happenstance. Yeah, he, yeah. I, I mean, it's possible. It's possible. Uh, Wang and Jack regroup with the Chang Sing and Egg Shen and enter a cavern to return to Lopan's headquarters. Egg pours the group a potent potion. They interrupt the wedding and start a battle. Can we, can we also uh, talk about the the toasting scene? Yes. Where Dennis Dunn and Kurt Russell, <laughs> here's to America, the colors that never run. Yes. <laughs> It was very good. It was very good and very unexpected. I, I don't know Everything what he was going to say. Everything about the magic potion. Yeah. And also Fantastic. them heading down the elevator to interrupt the wedding of like, people have often compared the six demon bags effects to them getting high, but it's just so delightful. It's like, yeah. That, and, and something that has really permeated my everyday lexicon which is the i've got a real positive attitude about this whole thing (laughs) (laughs) yes Uh, dennis dunn's uh delivery on that line is impeccable yeah it's amazing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh they interrupt a wedding start a battle wang kills rain in a sword duel while jack and gracie chase lopan wang joins them 
first, let me just say also, Wang is absolutely kicking all of the asses in this fight. Oh, and can we, we never mention the fact that for the first, like, third of the movie, Wang displays zero martial arts prowess, and then all of a sudden whips out the wushu and is, like, fighting elemental wizards. What? Yeah. 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 He is absolutely kicking every ass that even gets close to him. It's, It's actually awesome. I feel like Dennis Dunn really never got his due because I've only ever seen him in this movie and another John Carpenter movie that I that also has uh, Victor Wong in it. Prince of Darkness, Oh, which if you haven't seen it, see Prince of Darkness. It's definitely one of the like wilderness years Carpenters, but it's fabulous. (laughs) Okay. I write them all down. Prince of Darkness, Noted. Silverado. I have not seen Prince of Darkness. <laughs> yeah, so. if you have, if you, it's a movie that stars Victor Wong and Donald Pleasance as a physics professor and Catholic bit like Catholic priest, respectively. Huh. It's a wild movie. <laughs> it is a wild movie. I really like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh. As mentioned, Wang is just killing everybody. He kills Rain in a sword duel. Uh, Jack and Gracie chase Lopan. Wang eventually joins them, and Jack kills Lopan with a knife throw. Pretty, pretty great. It's all in the reflexes. All in the reflexes. <laughs> so many just lines well, in this yeah. from Jack that this are thrown away. Chekhov's quip. Oh, just yeah. He- the most sassy, quippy, one-linery movie. I love it. And well, it's all yep. the reflexes comes from his first CB podcast yep. that he's doing in the first scene of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then, For yeah, that's how he can drive in the rain. Is it comes it's back. All the reflexes. That's what he told his ex-wife. <laughs> well, that's what I, I love that they don't dwell on those lines either. They're literally yeah, just, no, they're yeah, they it literally gone. is out and then we've moved on. There's not even time really to react, which is just wonderful. That's that's what you want. I think that's part of why the rewatchability is so high is yes. because there's so many one-liners and it's they're like, so zingy and so fast that, like, you hear something funny every time you watch it's it. It's like Ghostbusters, where, like, it it, it's just, it's so dense with jokes and asides and turns of phrase. Yes. Thunder, who had been distracted by Wang, reappears and, enraged at finding Lopan dead, swells up. And explodes to disgusting size. He, he turned. He, there's a pile of giblets that comes out of thunder. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty gross. It's pretty yeah. gross. Uh, Jack, Wang, Gracie, and Miao Yin are cornered by lightning in a corridor, who triggers a collapse. Egg rescues them with a rope and kills lightning by dropping a Buddha statue on him <laughs> when he tries to fall. Yeah. He shoots a rope with a crossbow and then drops a statue on a guy. You gotta. Sometimes this is the way. After finding Jack's truck and dealing with the remaining Wing Kong guards, the group escapes back to Wang's restaurant. The group celebrates in the restaurant. Wang and Miao prepare to marry, while Eddie pairs with Margot. Egg sets off to China. Gracie offers to join Jack, but he leaves alone. Unbeknownst to him, the wild man survived the battle and has stowed away on his truck. The really shook question the pillars mark? of heaven, huh? Oh my God, it was so good. <laughs> Aren't you going to kiss him goodbye? 
I love I just, I love everything. Yeah. It was great. It was a perfect. It was a perfect way to end. <sighs> so thoroughly enjoyable. I have a feeling where this is gonna go, but let's for uh, for old time's sake. Jamie, I'm going to start with you. I absolutely recommend that everybody watch this movie. Incredible. I, I, I expected nothing less. How many times have you, do you believe you've seen this film? If you could just like ballpark it. I'd at least two dozen. Dang. That's impressive. Again, that's comfort impressive. movie. I've seen, I've seen Clue probably like 30 times, and that, but that's also because I started watching it earlier, like 12 or so. Got mm-hmm. it. Got it. All right. Lindsay, are you recommending this movie? Yeah, I would absolutely recommend this movie. I would especially recommend this movie in the context of like if somebody was looking for a romp, if like we were having a discussion of like, I need a fun time, then yes. But in in all cases, yes. All right. All right. 100%. (laughs) Uh, I think it goes without saying uh, I recommend this wholeheartedly as well. It's an easy recommend. for all the reasons we mentioned. And if you were hesitant and we didn't convince you, I honestly don't know what will. So Yeah, you will never be convinced. I guess you are didn't. unconvincible. <laughs> Let's talk about something a little more interesting here. Uh, Jamie, this is your first time on the show. Yes. I'm going to save you for last, if that's okay. Go for it. Lindsay, uh, you have a very respectable list here of six, mm-hmm. five. <laughs> this will be your sixth <laughs> film. Where are you going to put... Big Trouble in Little China. This is going to come in right underneath Escape from New York at three and bump Silkwood down one. Interesting. Okay. Making my list solidly John Carpenter based. <laughs> the thing, <laughs> Escape from New York and Big Trouble in Little China being your top three. Yeah. Okay. All right. I love that. Whitney. Number one. Number one for Whitney. Unbelievable. Just like Rich Evans. (laughs) Bumping down The Thing and Escape from New York. And well, really all the movies. But yes, The Thing is currently at my number one. But now it is Big Trouble in Little China at number one. Okay. Andrew. Whitney, tell me where I'm putting Big Trouble in Little China. Are you putting it at number one? I am putting it at number one. Incredible. Here's what I'll say. Uh, my only thing about that is that for 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 the reasons we mentioned about coming back to this movie for like the quips, I mm-hmm. think I would revisit this more. I, I all of our lists are John Carpenter in the top three spots. To yes. be clear, <laughs> so <laughs> I just think in in order of how often I would return to these, uh, this is about this feels right that, to me. That is always how I structure my list. It is not by quality. Um, necessarily as like a film, it is not by, you know, the only thing that I judge them by is what would I rather see again? And by far the one that I would most like to see again out of all of them. And they're all rewatchable for sure. But Big Trouble in Little China is the most rewatchable movie that we've seen yet, I think, in this podcast. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right. Now, Jamie, uh, I don't know if you have the lists in front of you here. Um, We've covered a fair number of these Kurt Russell films. Mm -hmm. Do you think, maybe off the top of your head, you tell me, where does Big Trouble in Little China go? And then if you could round out maybe your top three. 
that would be incredible. It, it definitely like it's going my top three is going to look pretty similar to everyone else's. Just yeah, big trouble, big trouble, little China thing, escape from New York, pretty standard. But looking through Whitney's spread here. <laughs> I You've know. watched along with Whitney for a handful I have watched of these. a lot of these. Yeah. No, there you go. Not oh, all so of many. Them, but but he's yeah, seen but, he has seen a majority of yeah, them. Yeah, I like <laughs> I was similarly incredulous at the like weird Confederate apologia in the middle of the <laughs> gen- <laughs> original family band. <laughs> yeah. All right, great. You're in good company. Yeah. All right. I love that. John Carpenter wins the day as far as his collaboration with Kurt Russell for the time being. Mm-hmm. We'll get you added to the list. All right. Um, God, we're almost done. Let's get through this thing. That's all done. That's been logged. Next week, Whitney. We're doing I, it. Whitney. For better or for worse. It's your film. Yeah. I, I wash my hands of this. I, I feel like you're Whoa, walking into a I land. I don't think you can do that. A minefield. You're walking into a minefield. <laughs> I can't. It's overboard. <laughs> we're doing overboard. Overboard is next. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Overboard is next, and I don't know how to feel about it. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, I believe we will have a special guest for that one as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still shoring it up, but I believe we will have someone uh, from the past return. <laughs> Secrets. <laughs> you could, Mysterious. You, you could probably figure it out. If you were coming from Cool Breeze, you could probably figure it out. That's it. We're done. It's time to say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> so long. Farewell. Just start the theme song. Bye. Uh, <laughs> thank you all. Uh, this has been incredible. We are at like a delight. Two, uh, minus the minus the some technical glitches. We're still over two hours for this episode. It's easily the longest <laughs> longest episode we've done. Yeah. It's not. We it's, took that blank check episode as a personal challenge. Right. It's not close either. <laughs> I think we keep this it around. Turning and rust yet. <laughs> I regularly listen to a movie review podcast that goes into the three to four hours of discussion. So, and I ceaselessly give him a hard time about it. So, hey, you know, you got to do the work. This you is, this put is it now in. my comeuppance because I am participating in this. <laughs> you are party to it. Behavior, <laughs> yeah. Let's let's get people finding and following uh, Whitney. Where could uh, people follow your shenanigans on the internet? I am at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N on Twitter. And um, I haven't, I don't really use Twitter too much anymore, uh, except to yell at companies. That's been my big thing lately. Um, Nice. And uh, at Whitney Nelson with no underscore for Instagram to see pictures of mostly my animals and also a lot of the graveyard I live next to at dawn. I've, there's like you do post four or five <laughs> graveyard at dawn pictures. Uh, and that's where you Which is where me. you should meet Whitney with your pogs if you want to challenge her. <laughs> yes. You better be willing to lose those pogs too, apparently. Yes. <laughs> she plays for keeps. Yeah. No takesy backsies. <laughs> Uh, Jamie, I don't know. Are you an extremely online person? I don't. Uh, I, yes, but not in the way you would think. Okay. <laughs> I don't have any public facing. So I don't have any public facing social media, but I do still post on something awful. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So if you're if you're deep in the old <laughs> old ways of the internet, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, on on the forums. Yeah, honestly, I would just say what I said earlier. Uh, I recommend everybody watch a director's commentary on a movie that you like. That's great advice. You know, it's it's it timely. Is. If you've ever seen the movie Chud, Chud has a fabulous director's commentary. Ooh. Because it's basically just Daniel Stern and the writers and the directors of the of the movie, the movie dunking on the movie they made. <laughs> <laughs> How did we let this happen? No, it's no. just very much like a yeah, we were making a <laughs> trashy eighties horror movie. Incredible! I love that. All right, I'm writing it down too. We'll see. I'll be on. I'll be on the uh, like soon. Lindsay Nelson, where can people find and keep up with you on the internet? You can find me at Lindsay Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N on Twitter, or Lindsay Cameron Nelson on Instagram. If you want to see a lot of pictures of gelato, it's all Norse mythology flavors this month. They are delicious. Also, if uh, you should check out our the podcast that Whitney and I made called Historical Hotties, yeah. where we figure out who the sexiest people in history are. If you want some big trouble in little China energy, check out our uh, Mad Scientist episode, or surprisingly, our accountants episode. Surprisingly, our accountants episode. Our accountants episode is not one of the most listened to. It's kind of a but sleeper. top five. It is for me personally. easily. It's a banger. It's one of the best episodes, banger. and no one would have guessed that because we were talking about accountants. But if if you've listened to a few here and there and want to listen to one that's like. Top five favorite, listen to accountants. So many recommendations. So much to do. <laughs> Silverado, Prince of Darkness, Chud Director's Commentary, Accountants, I Historical I'm, Hotties. It, it's, it's all my reader's advisory brain. <laughs> Jamie, bring in the recommendations. Get this yeah, man I, a show. Get this man a show. I'm a librarian. I do this for money. <laughs> there, you there you go. There you go. You could find and follow me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Dark Driving. I also encourage you, if you uh, like um, bad, not bad, um, specific action <laughs> horror movies to check out my other <laughs> podcast, Rewatch, where we are going through the Resident Evil films. We will be ending on the new Resident Evil film that comes out in like three weeks, which is incredible. It's not a continuation of the series. It's a reboot. That's it. We did it. I'm going to press a button. There it is. Oh my God. This is incredible. What a day. Thank you all for joining us. And in the immortal words of Jack Burton, sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. 